Galatians chapter 4. We've been studying through the book of Galatians, and we're learning that not only is, the, is salvation by grace through faith alone, but so is serving God. You can't serve God in your own strength. You can't serve God in your flesh. That's got to be done by the grace of God also. And that's what we're learning. And how are we going to accomplish that? Here we are. We're all the way in Galatians chapter 4. Let's start reading in verse 4. And we looked at this a couple of weeks ago. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, to redeem us, to buy us back that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Abba, that's, that's, the, that's the personal name for your father. But we might use the word Daddy. And it's only for those who are sons. And so when you get saved, that's what Christ does for you. You have access to the Father, and He have a personal relationship with God that way. Now look at what it says in verse 7. This is where we're... We're going to be in verses 7 through 9 this morning. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. How be it then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them, which by nature are no gods. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak? and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage. Dear Heavenly Father, help us as we study your word this morning. Lord, I think this is one of the most important things that uh, you have taught me in the last uh, few years. And uh, help me this morning to communicate this in a way that all of your people can get. And Lord, I pray that we will leave here with a better understanding of your word than we had when we came in. That's our desire. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I was just talking with a pastor friend. Um, Brother Ferrier had surgery this week. I walked into the hospital on Friday, and there was a pastor friend from Sandusky who had come down for the surgery. And we were talking about his church, and they've moved locations, and they built a building, and he's talking about, you know, wanting his church to grow. And, of course, every pastor wants his church to grow. And there are so many... Uh, there are so many voices in America on how to have a church grow, what to do to have your church grow. And, you know, we could have people wrestle in a vat of baked beans and they had to get people to come in. People come watch that, right? There's all kinds of things that you can do. We could have a light show. We could have a rock concert. We could do all kinds of things to get people to come in. But what has God told us to do? He's told us to preach the Word. Amen. Amen? And we struggled with that for years. You know, we sent out cards and we'd advertise. And what we found was when we advertised, the people that would come to the church weren't people that were interested in a church like ours. So now we have the track true from the beginning. Uh, this fall, we're going to try and, and get uh, literature into every home in Sydney and the surrounding areas saying, if you would like to know God's Word better, come to Grace Baptist Church. That's who we are. Amen? We have wonderful musicians. But there are churches in America with better music than ours. Right? We have people with all kinds of ability. We have a great children's ministry. But I would imagine there are churches in America with a better children's ministry. But there's no, but there's no church in America with a better Bible. Amen. Amen? And so here what we are going to try and accomplish is we want to become like Christ through the washing of water by the Word. That's who we are. And that's what I was explaining to this pastor. 
Uh, I said, man, this is what we need to do. We just need to be consistently getting God's Word into people's lives because that music will help you for a little while. Amen? But when the trouble comes during the week, the music isn't what's going to help you. It's God's Word. It's God's Word. So praise the Lord for godly musicians. I'm glad God has brought them here. It would be a bummer not to have any music, wouldn't it? Be a, we'd be Church of Christ then. No. If you don't know, some of the old Churches of Christ, they thought it was wrong to have musical instruments. So, Galatians chapter 4. Look at this. In verse 7 it says, Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. How many of you know there's a difference between a servant and a son? How many of you kids think your dad doesn't know that difference? <laughs> I love that, man. These kids need to learn to work. But there really is a difference between a servant and a son. You know what the difference is? If you go to your boss and say, hey, can I have five bucks to go down the street? He'll say no. You go to your dad. He goes, all right, here you go. That's the difference. That's, there's a lot of differences between being a servant and a son. Now, are we to serve God? But we serve Him because He's our Father. That's different than serving Him because He's our owner. There's a difference between a servant and a son. And that's what it says. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an, and I hope you'll mark this, an heir of God through Christ. And we're going to talk about that today. Heirs of God. Now, we mentioned, we, we preached a message on that, oh, a month or so ago. But I want us to get into what the Bible says in other places about this concept of being an heir of God. But before we get there, I want to look at how the Bible describes the things that we are into. All right, look at what it says in verse 9. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Is there anyone here this morning that's saved, you're born again, you've come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Amen. You understand that you're saved from something. You're saved from your sin. You're saved from whatever else it was that you were trusting to go to heaven. If you're trusting your baptism to go to heaven, where are you going to go? Where? Hell. Hell. There's like three people that knew the answer to that. Let's try this again. If you're trusting your baptism to go to heaven, where are you going to go? Hell. Hell. If you're trusting your church membership to go to heaven, where are you going to go? Hell. If you're going to trust your good works to go to heaven, where are you going to go? You see, all of these things are things that people were trusting in before they learned or before they trusted in the fact that the only way to go to heaven is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Is that right? Amen. Now, the Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Because all that is in the world, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life, they're not of God. Is that right? And what, what tends to happen to us is we get saved... We get on fire for God, we start serving the Lord, and then we're drawn back into those things that we had desired before. The Bible describes this world as weak and beggarly. It's interesting, isn't it? But it's still alluring. I wrote this down. It's still alluring when it's all you know. Um, imagine somebody that comes here from England, and they've grown up in England and they've had food there. How many of you have been to England? Did you like the food? Every menu has like five things on it. And three of them, you're not going to eat. Okay? So they come to America. I, I, when I was flying back from, 
I, I guess it was England. I, I sat in the plane next to two girls from England who were coming to America, and they were going to visit Nashville. Of all places to visit, they were going to Nashville. And they said, where would you recommend that we eat? I said, you've got to find a Cracker Barrel. If you want to understand American food, go to Cracker Barrel. So now you've got chicken fried chicken, or you've got chicken and dumplings. You know, you've got catfish. You've got food, amen? I mean, food. Real food. Chicken fried. Million and a half calories with mashed potatoes and gravy all over it. And then some green beans with about a lot of bacon fat in them, amen? And they've got that corn that's just full of sugar and all that. And then you get some sweet tea with it. And you walk out of there going. (laughs) And it's awesome. And you know what happens? They eat that for about a week. And they say, man, I can't wait to get some good old blood pudding. How many of you think that would be a step backward? Would you raise your hand? But that, that is the perfect analogy. Of you, you know, we get saved and God gives us biscuits and gravy. Amen? God gives us good food. And we go back. My dad hated green beans when we were, as we were growing up. But they were cheap and we were supposed to eat green stuff. So mom would make green beans. Dad would pour ketchup all over his green beans. That's gross, right? Dad loved to have peanut butter and Miracle Whip sandwiches. Imagine going from biscuits and gravy to Miracle Whip and peanut butter. That's going back. How many of you would agree that that's going back? Is that right? And that's what happens. We get saved and we get to experience really good stuff. When I was in Africa, I was watching this guy. We're in a market and I see him eating something. I said, what are you eating? And he pulled it out and it was a a fried grasshopper. And he said, try one. I said, okay. So I ate it. I crunched it up. And honestly, it wasn't really that bad. It wasn't really that bad. Then it started doing this. <laughs> but when I got home, I didn't go and find grasshoppers. Is that right? Uh, they took us to a meal and they had this couscous. But it had the mayonnaise base and it had been sitting out in the sun for about four hours. Yeah, that was great. We went to this in Togo. They wanted to honor us, and so they brought out these platters with these pygmy goats. You know, So if this is the ground, the pygmy goat was about that tall. And they killed it, and they served two of these for us, but they don't clean them. Just killed it and cooked it. So these ladies, they presented on a platter. Then these ladies took these knives, chopped it all up, and served it with rice. Larry Clayton leans over and says, don't eat that. I'm thinking, don't worry. <laughs> And so, you know, you eat the rice and you cover it up so you don't offend them. And when I got home, I didn't eat pygmy goat. Is that right? You know, when we get saved, God saves us from that kind of thing. From a life that could be pictured by eating unclean goat. That, that's what we're trusting in. He comes and He wants to send us to a land flowing with milk and honey. He wants to give us a life, and not only life, but He wants us to have it more abundantly. Is that right? That's the kind of life that God wants to give us. But you know that people, once they have had better stuff, many times they begin missing what they used to have. Have you ever really wanted a Big Mac? I used to be able to eat three of them. You know, when I was a teenager, I I could just wolf them down. Man, if I ate three Big Macs right now, I'm not going to tell you what would happen. Just use your imagination. It would be a bad thing. 
But yet, there are times when I'm thinking, man, I'd really like a Big Mac right now. Then you go and eat it and you get sick. That's what the world does to you. The world draws you back in. The world entices you back to those things that you used to enjoy when you had something that was so much better. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It does. It tries to draw you back. So how are we going to keep from doing that? We need to understand that we are heirs of God. What does that mean? What does it mean to be an heir of God? Let's run through some verses and look at it and we'll be done. Look with me at... Um, don't think that that's the end. They'll just said that. Go, to, go with me to Luke chapter 15. Biblical definition. Another word, biblical word for inheritance that's given us in Luke 15. Look at verse 11. Jesus Christ. He says, a certain man, and he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Give me, what does it say there? The portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. So his inheritance, another word for inheritance, is his portion. You see that? And look at what happens. The younger man said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. So here's what we have. You have a young man who has a relationship with his father. But what he wants is he doesn't want the father. He wants his father's stuff. Is that right? He wants the stuff that his father has that he believes is his. And so he says, give me my portion. Go ahead and give me my inheritance right now. I want you guys to go home and try that today. See how it works out. But anyway, he said, I want you to give me my portion. Because he wanted his father's stuff more than he wanted his father. Well, then he goes into a far country and he wastes it all. And there's a famine. And all of a sudden he's living with the pigs and eating what the pigs eat. Nasty, right? How many of you know what pigs eat? Anybody want to eat that? That's what he was eating. That's what he was eating. So now he understands. He starts to realize, the servants in my father's house live better than this. I'll go home and I'll be a servant. What did he realize? He realized that his father was better than his father's stuff. So he goes home. And when he goes home, he, gives his, he has this prepared speech for when he goes home. And when he gets home, he says, I'm not worthy to be a son. Let me be a servant in your house. And his father, forget all that. He kisses his neck. Puts a robe on him, puts shoes on his feet, ring on his hand, says, kill the fatted calf for my son that was dead has come home again. What a wonderful picture. And it ends, the story ends with the son enjoying the relationship of the father. You see, what the Bible says, what the Bible says is, I don't need God's stuff. I need God. Amen? We're going to examine that a little bit this morning. What's being promoted in Christianity is the stuff the Father has to give rather than the Father. Can I give you some examples of this? Here's some things that, the, that if you're going to go to church today in many churches, here's what you're going to get. If you know God, you're going to have health. 
If you know God, you're going to have wealth. You're going to have influence. If you know God, you're going to have inheritance. It's interesting. That's that, and so now what people equate with God, they equate physical well-being with a relationship with God. Or material substance, they equate that with a relationship with God. That's what's being preached all over the world. You can have your best life now. Really. Your best life now. So you can have a life right now that's just as good as when you go to heaven and have an inheritance with God. Like we are wont to say, you have to take your brain out and play with it to think that's what the Bible teaches. And yet, that's what's being preached all over the world right now. And so what has happened is we have an entire segment of the body of Christ that's more interested in God's stuff than they are in God. That's, that's where we are. Um, what they want, and this is going to hit close to home, what can happen to us is we can want what God has to offer without living in the Father's house. It's amazing how many people get saved and they're glad that they're not going to go to hell now. But they're too busy to spend time in the Father's house. What is the Father's house? The Apostle Paul told us. He said, These things, he wrote to Timothy, young pastor, These things ride I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So, what is the house of God? It's the church. It's the church. And yet there are many people who say they love God, but they are not interested at all in what goes on in the Lord's house. Isn't that interesting? I thought I'd get at least one amen out of that right there. Is that true? How many of you would agree that that's true? That's where the world is because I think, you know, in, 19, in, in 2000, 87% of Americans claim to be Christians. In 2011, it was, I think, 71%. That's how much it's dropped in 10 years. And yet, how many of you think that 71% of people in America are at church today? No. No. Why not? Why not? Because people want the prosperity that God has to offer more than they want God. Would you all agree with that? That's where we are. So now what we have to ask is, how have I... How have I ordered my schedule and my life? What is more important to me than coming and being with God's people in God's house? I, I'm happy that I get to go to heaven. I'm happy that I get to have a good life. I'm happy that God gives me health. But an hour a week, that's all I got. If the preacher goes long, maybe an hour and a half. And then I'll mix the net, miss the next week because he just took too much time. It's interesting. Now, we don't say that out loud, do we? We don't say that out loud. But that's the idea. We want what, the God, what God has to offer us. We just don't want to spend time in His house. That's interesting. Now, let's try to get an understanding of this. Um, God has made you an eternal being. And look what the Bible says. Go back with me to Galatians. And look at what it says. 
Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. I'm an heir of God through Christ. When I was born again, God put in me an eternal spirit. I became spiritually alive. Remember what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2. And ye hath he quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. We were made spiritually alive. When I was made spiritually alive, I was given eternal longings, spiritual desires that only God can fulfill. Do you all understand that? But our problem is, how many of you have ever felt kind of, you've just felt down? Has that ever happened? You felt down. I know what I need. Man, I'm down today. I need a banana fudge nut sundae from Culver's. That is, that's a plan, isn't it? That's a, because that really does make me happy. I'm, I'm not lying. I'm telling you, a banana fudge nut sundae from Culver's makes me very happy. But will that satisfy an eternal longing? I know some of you are thinking right now, oh yeah, right now. Absolutely. I guarantee you those are going to be a part of the marriage supper with the lamb. I just think that it's true. No blood pudding. It's all going to be banana fudge nut sundaes. Now look. We all do this. We sense a longing in our spirit. And so we go to the internet and buy something. Or we go outside and run so that we can get a a physical sensation of some kind. Or we get some ice cream or eat some chocolate or whatever it is. Jeff Blackford tries to go kill something. (laughs) Now look. Those things that I just described, are any of those things wrong? No. And there's nothing wrong with us doing those things. Now, the, the banana fudge nut Sunday for me, is probably not a good thing. You know, I'm going to be as wide as I am tall pretty soon. I got this friend that's heavy. I won't tell you. Anyway, <laughs> it was really funny, but we've got to keep going. So here's the idea. We are spiritual beings... And what has happened, especially in the American culture, I would say even in the Western culture, is this. We tend to try to satisfy spiritual longings with material things. Would you all agree with that? So what's eternity going to be like for us then? So let's try to get an understanding of this. Go with me to Psalm 16. Psalm 16. When we go back to those physical things, according to the book of Galatians, we're drawn back into bondage. I don't want to be in bondage. I want to be free. How about you? I want to be free. Look at Psalm 16. Now, we've said that we are heirs of God. In Luke 15, another word for inheritance is portion. Give me my portion. So when we talk about God, we are heirs of God. Look at what we inherit. Psalm 16, look at verse 5. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. What do I... So when we get to heaven, here's what we think. When we get to heaven, we're going to get all kinds of stuff. I'm going to get a mansion. I'm going to get streets of gold, walls of jasper, gates of pearl. These are all the things that I'm going to get. Imagine this. Hey, hey. Come to Sydney. Do you know what we have in Sydney? We have paved roads. We kind of. They used to be paved, budget cuts. Okay? We have paved roads. Not only that. Ready for this? 
we have walls. <laughs> listen, listen, it's not done. I'm not done. Look, you've got to come here. We have doors. There, our walls are brick. Our streets are gravel and concrete and whatever else. They're awesome. Our doors are metal or wood. You going to come live here? Uh, uh, Jim? Every town has those things. You know what gold is? The, the, the story, my dad used to tell this one. This guy found a way to get all of his gold to heaven with him. And so he's hauling it in. The guy looked at him and said, what would you bring pavement, pavement for? Those are just building materials. What's the point of heaven? God is there. What is our inheritance? The things that God gives us or God? The Bible says, the Lord is my portion. The Lord is my portion. A bad economy can destroy our faith when we confuse what God gives with God. So if I have been taught, if my concept of God is this, if I worship God and I have enough faith, I'm going to be rich. What happens when the economy collapses and nobody's rich? What happens? Was anybody here around during the Depression? Raise your hand. Anybody around? We have a few. Dan, I know you were around. Where? Oh, no. Okay. Did you guys have a lot of stuff? How about during World War II? Was anybody around living and you remember what it was like in World War II? Would you raise your hand? Anybody here that remembers that stuff? When you couldn't buy gas? You couldn't use steel. Why? Because it was all going into the war effort. It's all going into the war effort. So I know what happened during that time. I know what happened during the Depression. How about the Dust Bowl? There's no food in America. There's no food. I know what happened. God just went on vacation. How about the Dark Ages? In the Dark Ages, 50 million Christians were killed. They were killed. Starved to death in many cases. What, God just, what, did God just step off His throne for the dark ages? Is that what happened? No. See, what happens is when my, when my concept of God is Santa Claus, when I think of God, I think of Santa Claus, somebody who just, He exists to give me stuff. If that's my concept of God, then when my stuff stops coming then I have no God. I'm alone. You see, the Bible says that we are heirs of God. The Lord is my portion. It's Him that I'm going to inherit. Isn't that awesome? That's who He is. The Lord is my portion. If I'm poor, I still have God. If I have Him, I can weather the lack of things. If things are my portion... Then if my things go away, I'm left with nothing. And you know what? Honestly, and again, I don't want this to be a downer. I want you to think about this. If the economy keeps going the direction that it's going, we're in big trouble. Amen? Is there still a God? Maybe if people had listened to what God said, we wouldn't be having this trouble. And yet, as long as I have God, it's going to be okay. What is life? It's but a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. My stuff can go away, but I still have God. Look at Psalm 73. Psalm 73. I think it's hard for young people to really grasp what I'm saying, 
But anybody that's lived for any bit of time, you know what I'm talking about. Amen? Psalm 73. Look at verse 26. So is my portion money? No, my portion's God. This is an amazing verse. Psalm, 20, Psalm 73, look at verse 26. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion for how long? It's forever. It's forever. You know, it's funny. I was watching basketball last night, and uh, Vince Carter plays for the, the Dallas Mavericks. And remember, how many of you remember Vin Sanity? Remember Vince Carter? Man, I can jump as well as Vince Carter now. It was hilarious watching him. He'd drive to the basket and he'd go. And it used to be he'd jump out of the building. What's happening? He's getting old. Now, I know he's only in his 30s, but for basketball, that's old. Right? What's happening? His flesh is failing. Anybody here, your flesh is failing? How about your heart? Any of you, your heart is failing? Can I, I'm going to encourage you. It's going to happen. It's coming. We can do everything we want to stop it. Man, we can work out, and you should. We can exercise, and you should. We can eat right, and you should. We can do all of those things, and yet your flesh is going to fail. So now, let me read it the way I, I typed it. If my conception of God is one who always heals because I tell him to, then when I am sick, I have no God. I'm alone. Do you know how many people have gone to a healing meeting and left disappointed? I had somebody tell me about a healing meeting, and I said, hold on. When they restore a limb or raise somebody from the dead, come talk to me. That's what Jesus and the apostles did. Is that right? Is that right? Healing. The apostle Paul was sick. He had a thorn in the flesh. That, that's a part of life, sickness, because of the fall. For as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So then death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Why do we die? Because of sickness. It's in us. It's in our flesh. Our flesh is going to fail. Would you all agree with that? So if my conception of God is always the one who brings me healing, then when I'm sick, then I'm alone. How many of you have ever known someone who is very godly? A very godly person who suffered physically. Does that mean that God doesn't exist? When we pray, and we, we pray fervently and in faith, asking God to remove a physical ailment from us or someone else, and He doesn't answer it the way that we want to, is He still God? Is He still good? Is He still loving and kind and gracious? Yes. But what happens is we get this false understanding of God. Um, you know, I have had the, the tremendous privilege of reading history. I hope that you will do that. Get our journal and read the lives of these people. This current journal that's about to come out, uh, it's at the printer right now, or it'll be, it'll be sent today, I think. Um, it's, it's about suffering. And when you read what these people have gone through, just life in general, you know, imagine not being able to go to the dentist. Imagine no such thing as fluoride or toothpaste. There's none of those things. No antibiotics. If you've got a stomach bug, you just have to hope you live through it. That's it. You just die. You just die. And you know what? That included Christians and non-Christians. 
That was the world. But because we live in a time where if you have a headache, you take medicine. If you've got a toothache, you take medicine. There's something to alleviate all of our pain and all of our trouble. To, is that right? You know, uh, Joe Namath. What did he play in the NFL for like nine years, I think? Because his knees were so bad. Now, with today's surgery, you just fix it and you go on. Play for another 10 years. Namath would have played for 15, 20 years probably. In today's world... Imagine what it was like before that. When people, if they had ailments, they just lived with it. They just lived with it. We live in a culture where our pain is alleviated. So when we have pain, if my conception of God is that He always heals, if I have pain, then God is not there. God, where are you? How could I be going through this? I thought you were going to take care of this. Where did God promise to remove all of your pain? When you get a new body. That's coming. Amen? Amen. Until then, you are uh, liable to suffer the same pain that anybody else does. Now, does God heal? Absolutely. Ryan's here. Dr. Ree's here. God heals. Praise God. Beth's mom. All the great news about Beth's mom. All the God heals. June Clutter's mom. God heals. I believe that. But only where He wills. Only where it it meets His purposes, satisfies His purposes in the world. So what is my portion? My portion is God. When I'm an heir of God, that means I inherit God, not what God gives. All right? Then, um, look at what the verse says. Go back with me to verse 26. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart. In my portion. For how long? Forever. Isn't that wonderful? He's going to be my portion forever. He strengthens my heart. Then, look at Lamentations. Lamentations. Just go a few books after. Jeremiah, Lamentations. Lamentations, chapter 3. Anybody here ever been through any financial trouble? Physical trouble? Any of you? How many of you still have God? I can't imagine, you know, when, when the, the illustration that I always have to use, the thing that always comes to mind is when Riley, our son, died. I can't imagine how lost people go through that. I know that we'll get to see him again. I don't imagine, I, I can't imagine how people who don't know Christ make it through those things. Lamentations chapter 3, look at verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. Where's your hope come from? Does your hope come from good health? Does your hope come from your finances? Or does your hope come from God? But that's not what this text is talking about. What am I trusting? Am I trusting in materialism or am I trusting in God? Am I trusting in health or am I trusting in God? But how about this? How about this? If my conception of God is one that can be appeased by my behavior, then when I fail Him, I have no God. I am alone. What about my guilt? See, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. And when I get to a place where I do fail, when I, when I fall in an area that I thought I would never fall in, have you ever had this thought? And Don't raise your hand here. Have you ever had this thought? 
You do something or you think something, and then you say this, a Christian would never do that. A Christian would never do that. Do you know what you have there? You have a wrong understanding of your sinfulness and God's grace. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says, if any man saith he hath no sin, he's a liar and the truth is not in him. Then it says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? Look, look what the verse says again. We're, we're in Lamentations. Verse 22, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. What does that mean? Consumed by fire. Consumed by God's righteous judgment. That's what we all deserve. That's what we've all, we've all earned. Do you all agree with that? then if God, if my conception of God is that I can behave in a way that will do away with my sin before I'm saved or after I'm saved, then when I fall, then my guilt will destroy me. If I'm trusting in, in money, then if my money fails, then I'm destroyed. If my conception of God is that He'll give me health, then when I get sick, God doesn't heal me, then my faith is destroyed. If my faith is based on my goodness and my ability to do good works, then when I fail, then I'm alone. My faith is destroyed. But when I understand that my, my portion, my inheritance, is the Lord, then when I see my sin, I understand what a great Savior I have. Now, does that mean that we sin more? No. God forbid. That's what Paul said. Does that mean we can do whatever we want? No, of course not. But what it means is when I recognize, the closer I get to God, the more sinful I understand that I am, I want to take that next step closer. I want Him to reveal more of my sinfulness so I can confess it to Him and get it right, so that I can be holy, so that I can live right. Let's look at this. Two more verses. Revelation. Revelation chapter 21. Those of you that were in the Bible study, Wednesday night Bible study a month or so ago, you'll remember this. It's interesting. Revelation chapter 1, you have Jesus Christ being introduced, 24 different names. Revelation chapter 2, you have Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 3, you have Jesus Christ speaking to the churches. Revelation chapter 4, you have John being taken up into heaven and he sees Jesus and they're bowing down and worshiping him. Chapters 6 and 7... You have the judgment of the Lamb. Chapter 8, you have the judgment of the Lamb. Chapter 16, you have the return. Chapter 20, you have Christ on the throne judging. Now in chapter 21, now you understand heaven. It's interesting. He waits all the way until Revelation chapter 21 to tell us anything about heaven. Why? Why? Let's look at it. Verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I saw John, or and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. What do we inherit? God. What's the point of the new Jerusalem, new heavens and new earth? God's there. And then look at what it says. Verse 4. Right? We get heaven. Amen? And heaven shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. 
and golden streets shall make sure that there's no more death. And the mansion that God has prepared for me will make sure there's no more sorrow nor crying. Is that what it says? No. Let's read it out loud together. You ready? And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Who does it? God does it. See, our inheritance, do we get to go to heaven? Amen. Do we get to walk on streets of gold and touch walls of jasper and walk through gates of pearl? Yeah, we get to do all that. But what's the biggest blessing of it all? God is there. You know, I think about this. If when I was a kid, my dad had died, and through his life insurance, we got a really nice house. It would have been nice to live in that nice house. But can you imagine walking into that beautiful home every day and Dad's not there? I would have rather had Dad. Amen? What if, what if heaven was Port Jefferson? Now, there's nothing wrong with Port Jefferson. I've never seen it listed on a vacation you know, list at travel agencies. But what if heaven was Port Jefferson? If God was there, it would be awesome. Amen. I flew over when I was going to Africa. I mentioned a while back. I had to fly over the Sahara Desert. And so I, I looked down, and it was like flying over an ocean of desert. That's all it was. Do you know if that's what heaven was? It would be wonderful because God would be there. Now, God has told us, and of course, we can't even conceive in our minds how wonderful it's going to be. Would you all agree with that? That's how wonderful our God is. That's what He does for us. But that's not what makes Him God. Amen? What makes Him my God is He saved me. He loves me. My inheritance, my portion, is not the stuff that He gives. It's not heaven. My portion is God. Do you know what I think that we need to be careful of at Grace Baptist Church? We need to make sure that our conception of God is right. Do you know what that will do? That will make sure that we love what He loves. We love holiness. Living a holy life in this culture will be much easier. Uh, I, I wrote this down during the song service. Um, we have a problem. We try to meet spiritual longings with physical things. And go back to Galatians chapter 4. And we'll finish up here. Verse 9, But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? This world, it wants to suck us back in and make us a slave to it. Do you all agree with that? So if we understand who God is, That'll help us. But you know what happens in churches? What happens in churches, in our Sunday school hour, I dealt with some cultural things that it might be really offensive to a weak Christian. And so what happens is you end up with preachers in churches all over the place that refuse to confront the culture because their purpose is to get as many people in the building as possible. 
so that they can have more money to build more buildings, so that they can reach more people. But if we're reaching people with a message that does not confront their sin or the culture, what have we accomplished? Nothing. Nothing. When I understand that my inheritance is God and that He's more important than health, wealth, or success, then we understand what true holiness is. You see, if God is my portion later, He needs to be my portion now. If my desire is to know Him and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His suffering, being made conformable to His death, if that's my goal now, then we're just going to speak the truth in love. Amen? We're going to get into God's Word. We're going to submit to it. We're going to understand we're all sinners. We all make mistakes. We all make bad choices. Can, can we get an amen there? And yet, our desire is to be faithful, is to lay aside worldly things, is to become holy, is to become separated, is to become faithful workers in God's plan. Why? Why? Because that's what He's asked us to do. And He's our portion. More important than wealth. More important than health. More important than sex. Than, more important than, than uh, success. More important than any of those things. Amen? That's it. That's where we are. Is the Lord your portion? Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word.